Hello, guys. Welcome to the Shoes and Biscuit podcast. I'm Alex Whiteley. Um, today, we have, um, I was going to say a very special episode, but the fact that we're having to make this episode is actually quite horrible <laughs> in all circumstances. But um, I wanted to put together a, a podcast that can sort of help us understand everything that's going on with the war in Ukraine at the moment. Obviously, it's still ongoing. It's still early days. A lot more can happen between now and even recording and releasing this podcast. But there's a lot going on right now that uh, maybe is causing people anxiety. Uh, the kids might be a little bit scared. We're probably scared to talk about this with people because they might get too political. And you know how people get when they get political, it can kind of cause argument. I want to have a positive, as much as we can, of a positive um, conversation in how we can deal with things ourselves, what's going on. So joining me is, is Phil Morris. Who uh, you guys may know if you if you're fans of the biscuit, he's uh, he's um, our photographer for a long time. Been on the show a couple of times. You would stand there with a camera, and I remember speaking to Jasper, who's got the uh, the allotment in um, uh, beyond the Monkmore, and I was kind of like, "Yo!" Shove, I shove a microphone in his face, and he get get these uh, impromptu uh, little chats with Phil. But yes, he's he's here with us today. How are you, Phil? You good? Yeah, I'm good. It's good to be back after such a time away. So thank you for having me. That's no, good. It's good. It's nice to. I, I think these conversations are better as a freeway. And joining us uh, again on the biscuit. Um, this is a guy I've spoke to many times. If I need, if I need any sort of advice and these sort of things, this is the go-to guy, Doctor Phil Gittens, who we spoke to about peace building. It was about eighteen months ago, I think. No, more, got to be more than that. Was it? Wow. Yeah. Um, and you're joining us all the way from Bolivia, are you? In in I South am. America. I I am indeed. Yes, La Paz. Which, what, which, what? which, which, in Spanish, La Paz is the peace. So it's an interesting place to be in the world for the work that we do here, for sure. Fun. Fantastic. What are you? What are you working on down there? Or are you not allowed to say? Or what? what, what yeah, you... yeah. We we we're doing lots of peace projects here. Um, training people, working with the communities, working with the university, the Chamber of Commerce, actually the UK Embassy as well. Um, so we're doing a number of different things here. Fantastic! You're doing doing great work, sir. You, I'm I'm a huge admirer of what you do because it, it's not an easy thing to do. We have discussed this before. In moments of sheer panic and like disorganization, to be able to go, okay, now guys, <laughs> we need a level head, and this is these are the tools you're going to need to get through this. is is an, an incredible skill to have. Um, and I imagine your phone, uh, emails, and stuff has been going off the ringer since what happened in Ukraine, right? what's happening in ukraine and what's yeah happened a long time ago and and the the implications for the future as well we've been very busy for sure yeah um so what we i just wanted to put this out there by the way uh before we get stuck into this i am not designing this podcast to scare anybody we're not going to talk about any conspiracies uh, and we're definitely not i don't know it's all political everything everything is politics but we we're trying to avoid the hard political side of things as much as we possibly can this is all about language and and how we can behave with all this um so first of all um phil Mark, i'm gonna call it so we've got dr phil and we've got phil okay that's what do. <laughs> phil um how have you been processing what's been going on in ukraine has it been worrying you are you not bothered i mean what what how are you processing it all it's 50 50 really I'm, I'm i'm trying not to worry but of course when it's on such a global scale it could easily turn and start affecting us but i think it's taking each day as it comes and just seeing how this develops and just doing what you can to support i see there's a lot of places offering um places to leave donations to send out there which i think is fantastic shows the community coming together i mean we've just had the floods and obviously the pandemic and things are still tight and difficult to be able to come together and help somebody on the other side of the well nearly the other side of the world is is really inspiring but um yeah it's just keeping a level head and just seeing how this progresses um yeah obviously it's not directly affecting us we're not in a, we're not fighting but it's still tense. I, I think it's stories it. of the of the of the past, isn't it? With with when it comes to like World War Two, is like, yeah. I mean, we we kind mm. of didn't ignore what was going on in Europe, in Europe for so long the, because we didn't have the resources to go into World War Two. So we were kind of like Chamberlain was kind of like, nah, we'll just um, we'll send an expeditionary force. <laughs> you know, we know what happened to them. Um, yeah. So and then they started calling people up, and people that are up to the age of forty now are kind of all kind of like, uh. 
<laughs> you, you just make these things up in your head. I've got to say though, Phil, your your mic is kind of I think it's switching from possibly the buds you're wearing and the laptop. I tell so you what, you... I will switch it to the computer and we will try again. Yeah, I'll... headphones aren't the best. Yeah, it's fine. Hopefully, it works. Um, I have got to say, Doctor Phil, um, I am more concerned. I mean, in all honesty, I'm at that age now where I'm like, I'm kind of like, I don't. I do care about myself, um, but if I have to go and do my thing, I have to go and do my thing. I'm concerned more about the kids. Um, my my seven year old turned to me in the car and he said, "I don't want the war to be happening." And we don't talk about this in front of him. Really, we kind of like trying to shield him away from it. Um, would you say me shielding it away from him and not talking about it can be damaging, or do you think I should possibly open up about it? That's a really good question, Alex. Yeah, then let me think about that one. Um, I think if if young people are interested in these things, concerned about these things, then we have a duty to kind of explore them, you know. Um, but but at that level, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so even just for your son to come to you and say, "I don't want the war," you know, is is um, shows some kind of understanding of what's going on already, or hearing about these things. Um, one of the things we need to be really aware of nowadays is that the internet is a wonderful thing. Look, we're connecting now and we can connect from Bolivia, mm-hmm. connect from the UK, but it's also a dangerous thing as well. And there's so much misinformation out there. So what we need to do is we need to get better at something called peace journalism. And what I mean by that is not this, there's a field called peace journalism about reporting the truth. You know, the truth is the truth, you know, um, and using evidence and facts to support our claims. You know, you get on the internet nowadays, Facebook, last year everyone was an expert on COVID. Now everyone's an expert on Ukraine, on the humanitarian crisis. You know, I will put it out there now. I am not an expert on Ukraine. I'm no way an expert on Russia. I'm just offering a perspective based on my interest, as you know, more broadly, is which we might talk about, is something called the war system, which which is is what's happening in Ukraine and, and Russia right now is a symptom of a bigger issue, which I'm happy to talk about. Yes, we we can definitely we can definitely get into that. And you're right; there's so much going on. I mean, the the, the, the I think. The, the, okay, so I'm of two minds. <laughs> Obviously, with the, the, the mainstream media and news, you. I'm kind of taught, I've been always been taught not to sort of take everything for granted that comes with the news because some some of it's garbage, some of it's factual, you know. But even the big mainstream uh, media have been calling out some of the, the fake videos and some of the fake pictures, pictures that were used years ago, which are terrible to see. Uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying, ah, oh, this picture of a man crying because he's been defeated or something. That's, uh, I'm paraphrasing this, not actually. But like, if, if that is the case, that's a terrible thing. War shouldn't be happening anyway. But it is not relevant to what is going on in the Ukraine right now, right? Yeah, and I think what you just touched on there is something really, really important that we have an obligation. I'm not a parent, so hats off to you. But, um, you know, as educators, as concerned human beings, we should be working with younger people and older people, which are sometimes more ingrained in their thinking than than actually younger people. One of the good things about younger people is that they are kind of more open to changing their way of thinking, right? So this thing called crit- critical thinking, you know, to question things, even to question things that I'm saying, you're saying, Phil's saying, mm. et cetera. That is such a really important kind of tool to help young people with. And schools have a role to play in this as well. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is scary. It is scary because you like, you know, there's a lot of parents that are going, yeah, I always have a tablet. Go on, you play on your tablet for a bit, right? We're quite careful. Um, he, we, my wife has like an app on her phone so she can see all of the apps he's downloading and she can even deny them if he's trying to download something. So we kind of, it's kind of creepy anyway, but you kind of have to have that nowadays. Um, <laughs> just to make sure we know what he's, where he's getting his things because there's like, there's like a fake version of a game and it's like a, a game that's not the, the, the original one and some of the dialogue might be a bit scarier or they might change things or they might even have ads that aren't appropriate for him. So we have to make sure he's he's like looking at what we want him to, to look at. So, I mean, there, but there are also people that don't take as much um, security when it comes to kids playing with their devices and stuff. So they could be looking at anything on, you, on YouTube getting their information from all kinds of dodgy places. Um, Phil, have you seen anything that you've you, you know, maybe considered to be a bit sketchy on, on YouTube and what have you? 
See, for me, I, I just want to pick up quickly on that, uh, the peace journalism and how vitally important it is. You're saying about technology, the kids today on, on YouTube and on Facebook, they've got all of these devices. When I was five, 9-11 happened. I was aware of it. I, I saw it on the TV because obviously my parents had it on and come home. And uh, when I was, it happened when I was at school. So they were, they were talking about it, the teachers. and uh, But it never affected me. I didn't know what it was. I didn't watch the news. I didn't have a, a care in the world, really. Obviously, it was a major thing, and it's terrible. Like Now I understand it. But I just went home and played on my Game Boy. I didn't have a phone. I didn't have a tablet. I wasn't able to access all mm. of this information and these news, you know. But today, kids are so easily tapped into the internet and can see all of these things in false um, news. And it's really dangerous. But it's also great that they are picking up on it and because they're the future they it's good that they're going to be educated at such an early age of course it's terrible circumstances that they are being educated through this way but it's also good because they're going to get a good understanding of the world and you know be able to hopefully change things when they grow up but it is so dangerous of how easy it is to see fake information and just be passed down and it spreads like wildfire but it's obviously going to spread an element of fear through kids because you know it's 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 their world they're going to be the future taken over and if there isn't one because of a nuclear fallout which hopefully doesn't happen and i'm sure it won't but yeah i can understand their fear it's 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 a very scary world um have you have you been coming across any of this with how far has this reached as far as south america are people obviously worried about what's going on yeah it's it's you know really interesting that people are you know for example i wish i could show you now i mean can i show you now where i am yeah yeah of course please do please uh, do it's it's, it is nice so La Paz is where I am. It's called the Peace. Wow. And La, La Paz is 3,600 meters high. So it's known as rooftop to the world. So I'm actually on the 19th floor as well. And I don't know if you can see, but in the background, there's the, the big football stadium. I don't know if you can see that. But the other day, there was massive kind of pro um, protests and, and uh, awareness raising kind of campaigns related to what's going in the, on in the Ukraine and Russia. And I think, can I touch on something... Um, I think Phil's right in terms of saying we're not directly impacted by what's going on. But I would question that all of us are in different ways impacted in terms of what's going on. And, and I think that's something really, really important for us to be aware of, because sometimes, you know, as you know, I work in many different countries, different places. People think, well, you know, it's not affecting me. And, and I think part of my role is to kind of help people think about, well, how might it be affecting us? You know, we might not be getting bombs dropped where we are, but think about it. Um, today, and I know, Alex, you and I spoke about this on the last, we spend two trillion a year on preparing for war or wars itself. Two trillion, right? Now, where all that money is put into the military industrial complex or militarization, you know, different people call it different things. What does that mean? That means that money is diverted away from productive activities that we need right now, such as COVID mitigation, such as education, such as health. So that does indirectly kind of impact us, you know, in, in this way. And if you look around the world, like, for example, South America, where I spend a lot of my time, and I know, Alex, you, you have also been, mm -hmm. been in South America as well, that there's a lot of poverty, you know, in, in all places all around the world. The, the UN recently um, estimated, and through research and through evidence, that it would cost about 30 billion to end starvation on the planet, right? That's a fraction of what we're spending every single year. That's Bezos' uh, yacht, war. right? <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. So, you know, and, and I think there's other research that says it would cost about 11 billion to give everybody on the planet clean access to drinking water, you know, which, of course, is water is the essence of life. Right. So it makes you question, why are we spending all this money on kind of preparing for war? So I just yeah, I just wanted to kind of give a perspective on, on that in terms of how people might think about that they're impacted, you know, by the, the so-called war system. And it's something that that has no purpose, other than mowing people down. It's just it's wars. I know there's defense that you got to defend your country, and you got to be like, my stick is bigger than your stick. Don't even think about it. You know, um, 
that is that is that is what it is that's what a deterrent is but at the same time nobody's asking for this war nobody wants this war to happen literally the whole world the whole even russia and stuff i i saw a post yesterday about a whole tv station all stood in front of the camera all quit at the same time held up a sign said no war they pressed play on swan lake and walked out nobody wants this war and that i think that makes it scarier right yeah, it does. I mean, there's a lot of reporting, you know, around the world um, in terms of people saying we, we don't want this war. And you touched on something earlier about, you know, in the panic and where, the, where there's crisis. Where there's crisis, there's also also an opportunity to change things, sometimes for the worse. Now, Phil, you spoke earlier about, you know, 9-11. What happened straight after 9-11 was, was kind of probably... Yeah, it might have some bits might have been already in in the preparation, if I'm honest. Okay, and what happened after was that you've seen a massive increase in military spending. You've seen a massive focus on oh, we need to defend ourselves. This is happening, you know, which I think was very much over exaggerated. In fact, actually, the research shows it was very much exaggerated. So here's here's the point now that people need to be aware of is that there's a crisis going on right now. People might start saying, look, we told you that we should have invested loads more in NATO. We told you that we should have you know, spent loads more money protecting ourselves. And then what happens off the back of that is that NATO get loads more money, which, by the way, right now is trying to happen, especially in the US, which are right at the forefront of this, um, where you've got senators and others that are lobbying to get more money to put into the Pentagon and in, into you know, the military industrial complex. So we have to be really aware of this. Because it, it's factually incorrect that that you know NATO has made us more safer. It's it's the reverse. You know, if you think about what, why do we have the United Nations? The sole purpose why we have the United Nations it was set up for this to stop the scourge of war. That was the whole mandate of the United Nations. It still is today. So ask us how are we doing on that. We've had more wars since, not not world wars as in world you know UK, Germany, and allies, etc. But these proxy wars and, and um, civil wars, I think we need to question ourselves. How are we doing on that? And Phil, you spoke earlier about nuclear weapons. Of course, that's that's one of the two big existential threats that we're facing right now. Nuclear weapons and the connection there with war is very easy to see. The other existential threat that we have is not COVID. It's the climate change crisis, right? But not a lot of people know why the climate change crisis is so interlinked with the, the, the war system. Not a lot of people know that the biggest polluter on the planet, bar none, is the U.S. military. The biggest user of fossil fuels on, on the planet is the U.S. military. Not a, not a lot of people know that. They will talk about, you know, we need to do things individually. And, and don't get me wrong, I do think we need to do things individually, you know, recycle and things like this. Yeah, that's a drop in the ocean compared to the big systems that we need to look at. And there's no bigger system than, than you know, the, the Pentagon, the military and things like this. From my perspective, actually, from research perspective, it's 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 clear, clearly, um, you know, um, laid out that if we want to look at um, uh, addressing peacefully the, the climate crisis, we have to look at the big systems such as the war system. I think. Things are starting to happen now with that that kind of, even in Shrewsbury. I mean, <laughs> like we just had a very, very bad flood in in, in Shrewsbury. Uh Phil's just up the road there from Colum. He, he was very much like in the face of it all. Um, and uh, you know, every year, every or every couple of years at least, this happens, and then you get the people going, it's global warming, and then you get the people going, No, no, it's not. This has been happening since the, the Stone Age, blah, blah, blah. you know. But they're getting worse and more frequent. But now, I think this year, there's not been so much noise against global warming when, when it came to the floods in in Shrewsbury, in Shropshire, across Shropshire. So I feel like it's starting to starting to affect now. The fires in California, this, that terrible tragedy in Australia that happened a couple of years ago. You know, These things are happening more and more frequently. So we're getting a lot more evidence now that we can actually see. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I feel like there's there is going to be a move towards. Uh, there's been a big push. I mean, with with cars becoming more electric. I know it's not like the solution because they have these dangerous batteries that get buried in the earth. You know, but like people are trying to make an effort. So um, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we start moving in the right direction. But all of this, all of this war talk and the pictures we're seeing on the news. I mean, the news. It's just horrific now. They're not talking about... Any, you, you put on... Go and do it now, guys. Pause this podcast. I'll wait. Go and put on the BBC iPlayer. Go on the news. They're not talking about what's going on in 
in your local area. They're not talking about the good things that locals are doing, communities mm. are doing. It's just the war. Literally just that, which is great if you want to know what's going on. Um, but it's 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 a scary thing that they're doing. So it almost makes you want to go and look for your facts elsewhere, you know, because you're like, oh, I want to handpick what I want to look at as far as the war is concerned. So then you end up going down the rabbit hole, don't you? And so it's 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 dangerous. I feel like when these things happen, the BBC need to go red button for the news in in in, U- in Ukraine, and then the rest of it's local news. Do you agree? Yeah, is that one for Phil or for the other Phil or for myself? Well, I'll ask I'll ask Phil Morris uh, just to see what what do you think. Then we'll go we'll go to the expert after. <laughs> I agree. Or they should create a separate channel for the the war reporting. Like mm-hmm. as bad, it's really bad. I'm no good at creating names, but BBC War. I don't know, a channel like that specifically for this. Highlight it on the regular news, just, you know, in case someone's curious, just wants to tune in, you know, when they do the recap of of what's happened today, you know, uh, and then go and focus on a, a community group in Shrewsbury collecting resources to send out there. Focus on that. Focus on the good, because there's so much bad in the news. We've just had the pandemic. We want something good. The war can't be ignored. It's going to surround us everywhere. People are going to constantly talk about it. It's going to be in the newspapers. But yeah, we don't need it on our TVs. That's somewhere we watch to relax and a distraction from the world. We don't need to be turning uh, yeah. the TV it's on. It's got to be somewhere. If you want to find it, then you can go and find it. That's what I mean. Yeah, exactly, that's what we're saying. Exactly. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I want to go back on a point that you said about funding the war. Like NATO want, it's going to fund NATO. It's a catch-22. You're going to fund it and get give NATO more money, but then that's going to incite war. It's going to make people want to go to war because they see other countries as a threat. Like, oh, they've just funded their nuclear weapons. We need to fund ours. And it's just going to build up, but everyone's too scared to use it. And it's just a waste of money. Like we spoke about the climate crisis. That is a lot of money that could go on repairing these poor people's businesses and homes in Shrewsbury that's just been affected by the floods. And I'm very passionate about this climate stuff because I've just started a, a university degree about environmental science. And one of the things that in my first assignment was talking about how species um, in a certain area are destroying, wild, uh, destroying, you know, habitats. life there, like plants and stuff, habitats that have been there for millions of years. But then there are other species being brought into certain areas where they so much extinct species that they're bringing stuff back that were there before we humans existed. War's going to just completely wipe all of this out. And it's just so unnecessary. We're going to lose so much. We need to focus on the bigger picture here. Yeah. Yeah. Can I come in on that? Well, first of all, congratulations and all the best on that course, Phil. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and if, if we would have been in contact early, I would have let you know, we just finished a six week course with, with my day job, which was caught cool, and you would have loved it. War in the environment. A six-week mm. online course, and we had 150 people from all around the world on that course from all different countries. The youngest mm. that I know was in high school. The oldest that I know was 90, etc. So, mm. uh, and we look at the, the, the things that you're talking about because what we, when we say the war system, what we mean is not just the bombs that are dropping and the fighting that's happening in Ukraine. We mean preparation for war which often happens in global north countries, particularly US, UK, Germany, etc. And then something you just touched on then, the remnants of war. So after the bombs have dropped, after the nuclear weapons have dropped, what happens? You know, and there's still legacies today with people, you know, contamination and things like this. So mm-hmm. I, I spot on with what, with what you said. With regards to the... Um, the question, Alex, around reporting, I think it's a really interesting question. Um, and we need to remember that... that <laughs> Yeah, that we are we are part of to blame with, with this right because people generally i think it's i think it's wrong and it's 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 not good but people generally don't want let's go to shrewsbury where it's peaceful today you know mm. that doesn't tend to happen right what people want to see is devastation and it, it interests them so yes the media is to blame but we are to blame also because basically it's demand what's the um demand and supply supply and demand demand, supply and demand demand, you know so people will you know oh let's go to la paz where um you know this person is being peaceful 
that that's that doesn't kind of show news and there's a lot of research that actually shows that by the way um so i just wanted to kind of you know t touch on on that point as well that we we have a role to play in this as well because we choose what to watch it's very valid a very valid point because uh it's probably me going look there's nothing here there's nothing here and that that's a that's a view <laughs> and they're getting views off me going look darling look there's yeah i get it but i re i really love what you said i think it's really true we need to highlight the the the, the peaceful work that's taking place so for example for those that are interested two days ago maybe two or three days ago one of our board members at world beyond war that's the organization that i work for um is an expert in ukraine and he was on democracy now and he had 18 minutes to talk on democracy now about what's going on you know what he spent his time talking about he spent his time talking about we need to highlight more people that are doing civil resistance work and non-violence work the issue is, is that Europe are wanting to send arms to people in Ukraine to to basically support them. And he said, no, we don't need that. What we need right now is, and I know, Alex, you and I spoke about this on the last kind of um, program, to talk about the the, the power of nonviolence and how it works and how it's much more effective than mm. violence. So if those that are interested, go on to Democracy Now! His name's Yuri. He's a World Beyond War board member, and it's a brilliant analysis. I will send you the link after. It's brilliant. He did an amazing job. I feel like a, a chat with Putin privately, without cameras, like, are you okay? Is there anything I can help you with? You know, what's the matter, mate? Like, let's let's talk this out. Like, seriously, what's bothering you? Maybe we can, I don't know, let's, let's go to the cinema and watch Batman together. That's a shout because Phil's giving me tickets to see tonight's Batman. So, but, but you know, it's 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 one of those things. You are right. Sometimes, in these situations, even though the devastation is unforgivable, what's happening in Ukraine right now, sometimes the democratic response is is more important because, like I said, you know, war is about I've got a bigger stick than you. You get a bigger stick, they get a bigger stick. I get a bigger stick, they get a bigger stick, and eventually you're going to want to hit someone with that stick. So that's essentially what's happened. Um, what I wanted to talk to you about, though, Phil, is about some of the terminology that's used, some of the words that are used that maybe get mistaken. You see something like nuclear deterrent. You see nuclear deterrent on a thing. You go, oh, my God, we're going to war. No, 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 no. That's not what that means. It means they've got a nuke and they'll use it if they have to. They're not going to use it. You know, these are the things that we kind of mistaken when we read these things. I, I, do you do a bit of work on this? Is this something that you've come across? Is this which Phil? Uh, Dr. Phil, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, we do. We do a lot. In fact, actually, on Monday, we did um, a talk, a kind of get together, which was called learn and take action about what's going on in, in the Ukraine. And one of our speakers was the no Nobel Peace Prize winner from from ICANN, which does a lot of work in terms of nuclear weapons. Um, totally about what you're, you know, you're talking about. We've had a ban on nuclear weapons. And, and if you look into what's happening, the UK are wanting to spend more on the nuclear weapons. And they always use this kind of argument that, you know, it's a deterrent for other countries. Well, mm -hmm. what happens, it's Phil, you touched on it. What happens when people are, are arming themselves with nuclear weapons is that we're always looking over our shoulder. You know, we're always thinking, oh, you know, uh, you know, my stick's bigger than yours or stick is bigger than yours, you know. Um, so, so, we need to get away from that. And I love what you said there, Alex, about kind of, you know, sometimes you just want to have a, have a chat because sometimes in war, right, what we try and do is kind of dehumanize other people. And that includes the so-called baddies or people that are doing th things. The most difficult thing is for us to try and see the humanity in people and try and dialogue and try and understand different perspectives. Now, what's happening in Ukraine right now has a legacy. You know, before the Berlin Wall, after the Berlin Wall, agreements were made, etc. You know, some might argue that not all the agreements were, were, were stuck to, you know, and that might have informed what Putin's doing now, etc. So to get to sit down and have a conversation and understand different people's perspectives is something that we can all do as human beings. You know, um, so I know I know when we when you and I were chatting about this and I've just wrote a few notes down. In terms of, well, what can people do? We're sitting in Shrewsbury, we're sitting in Bolivia. What can we do right now, right? Well, I think there's a couple of things we can do. Uh, and I, with another hat, I'm, I'm working on these, so I've, I've wrote them down. So when there's a crisis, there's usually kind of three or more ways of which it, you can respond. One, respond to the immediate crisis. What's going on? The immediacy of the problem. Two, think of short-term kind of solutions. Three, think of long-term kind of strategies and solutions. So if you think about the crisis right now,
people are concerned, people are confused, people are angry, people are, you know, frustrated. So one idea is that, and, I, and there's people in Shrewsbury with expertise in this, offer kind of, you can call it different things, but, you know, one way of thinking, trauma healing spaces, you know, psychologists, psychotherapists, counsellors, people who are trained in facilitative dialogue to offer to facilitate discussions around what's going on. That would be useful for young people, your son that has these questions, et cetera, you know? That, that's one idea. Another one, um, perhaps in, in a more kind of short-term one, is some dialogues around issues related to war and peace so, so people can get an understanding, you know, and talk about these issues. Because I was on a call yesterday with, with Ethiopia, many people from Ethiopia, and they were saying, yes, it's terrible what's going on in the Ukraine, but do you know what's going on in Ethiopia right now? Um, and we've just been totally forgot about, you know. So to have dialogues around these issues and let's face it, not many schools don't don't prepare people to have these conversations. Universities, unless you study peace and conflict, don't really. So that's kind of a I know a, a you've tried your thing. part, Phil. <laughs> you've tried, yeah. you've tried. I know you Yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of the, the second the second thing. A longer term idea is this idea of something called peace education. So it's about training young people, training adults to understand what is peace, what is violence, to understand the the root causes of war and things like this. Now, the good news is, is there is quite a bit of work starting to happen in this. There's something in the UK called Our Shared World, and it's a coalition which probably now has about 150 or 200 organizations all across the UK. If you type into the, you know, Google, you'll find we have a coalition website, etc. Our Shared World. And the mandate of Our Shared World is to lobby the government and to pass through kind of mandates, bills or resolutions that gets schools, universities, colleges, and communities to educate about or for um, sustainable development goal. So the sustainable development goals are the the, the UN's um, goals, which every country should be working towards. There's one called Target 4.7, which is education for sustainability. So Phil, it'll be related to your area of you know environmental science and things like this. So there's a lot of work going on within the UK, and I'm part of that and fortunate to be part of that so that is a very promising kind of step forward but it's just a start you know so i think that the longer term kind of strategy is to get peace education into schools colleges universities because if you think about it i think i think i'm right in saying this bar none every single government in the world every single member state every single religion time be uh, i'm thinking spanish also had has their own ideas of peace. They all speak about peace, all of them. Of course, you know, and I, I often say this and people like a bit confused when I say this. I said, even Hitler wanted peace. But the problem in his was, own way. Yeah. is yeah. in his own way. Hitler wanted peace in his own way. So what we need to do is get, you know, these kind of things into schools and colleges, talking about peace. Um, how do we develop conflict resolution skills, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, it's it's funny, isn't it? When you when you talk about things like you, you think about America, right? And America go, yeah, we want peace, and we'll we'll, we'll enforce the peace because we're America, we're number one. Yeah, yeah. That's very provocative. <laughs> That's not very peaceful at all. Yeah, you may say we want peace, but uh, you're shooting pistols in the air and shouting yeehaw. You know. Well, it's kind of like what Phil said: that peace cannot be pursued by force. You know, because it's kind of a win. You know, you win, we lose. What we need to do, and we, you know, we speak a lot about this all the time, is look at how do we pursue peace via peaceful means, and that's mm. dialogue. That's you know, non-violent activities. That's not through violence. You know, that's that that's not. Um, Phil, uh, have you got any questions on this? Because I'm going to talk about community and the people around us. Have you got any more questions about this? Or any comments on that? No, but just another point, like we're saying, you can't fight violence with more violence. And you were saying about um, the sending arms to Ukraine. I have to respect the Ukrainian president for stepping out of his office and actually joining in. But to go on national news and say we need weapons wasn't a smart move, in my opinion, because, you know, you're just inciting and you're inviting more war by having weapons he's trying like, to offer bravado isn't he he's kind of like we've got this we, we need more arms yeah. but we, if we, yeah. I, I know that they need ammo they need defense but 
Putin's not going to see it as that. He's going to be like, right, they've got more weapons. Step it up. You know, it, it's it's just not going to help anything. But, uh, you know, respect him for getting involved. And but, Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's a really good point because, like, I've been questioning myself these days, right? And the, these things we work on all the time, right? And I've been we've been putting together a big statement and a big letter, you know, to kind of look at this issue. And, and I even got in contact, and I'll share this with you, you know, in confidence, with some of my colleagues that were in the military, you know, and, and kind of, you know, uh, but they're now working in the peace field. And I said, look, we want to put a statement together. And it says something like, you know, united against all war. Um, we need to put a, an end to all military activity, whether it's preparing for war or actually fighting it, et cetera. And I sent it to some people, you know, colleagues in the military. And I said, look, you know, I'm going to put this forward as a suggestion. What do you think? And they said, um, oh, I think people will probably agree with the idea of no wars, but I don't think people will fully agree with. And, and he was in the military. He said, I don't think people will agree with fully no military activity. And it got me thinking. And then what he said, Phil, he said, well, Phil, surely, you know, OK, here's a question for you then. You know, do people have a right to defend themselves? And that was a really good question. Right. And I thought about it and then I went away and I actually raised it. I'll share this with you. I actually raised it with both my executive director, who's been nominated several times, Nobel Peace Prize, total authority on peace and war, my president and things like this. And they had different perspectives. Um, my response was this, that um, I don't know what I would do if I was in Ukraine. I don't know what I would do as if I was in Russia. I don't know. But all I can say is that um, we have science to fall back on. There's research that shows that nonviolence, and I know, Alex, you and I spoke about this on the last kind of podcast, that nonviolence is more effective in bringing about change. So Reese is a great book, if people are interested, which is called Why Civil Resistance Worked, Works. And they looked at all of the kind of social movements or political change kind of strategies from 1900 to 2006, over 300 different kind of movements. And um, of course, if you think in the past, before that, Gandhi always used to say, nonviolence works, you know, it's a philosophy. But there was no research to kind of show, well, does it work or not? This groundbreaking research shows that nonviolence was twice as effective as violence. And the main reason for that is, is, is people power. You can mobilize and get so many more people behind you who want to work for peace and use nonviolence in comparison to people that want to use violence. So we need to remember this, that, you know, this idea of people power, that governments are there to serve us, not the other way around. So if we want to bring about change, we have a right to kind of protest and things like this and, and to kind of bring about change. But it's a really good question, you know, in terms of, yeah, the, the, the president of Ukraine coming out. I think, you know, on one hand, that is amazing, you know, to see him doing that. And at the same time, you know, doesn't, you know, my opinion doesn't count for nothing, right? But I would question that idea of we need more arms. You know, what another way of putting it would be we need good reporting here to show the the effectiveness of the nonviolence, both sides, Ukraine and Russia, because there's so many organizations, millions of people in Russia who are, who are really against this, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and that's the thing that people need to be aware of this labeling that, um, you know, Russia is this, Ukraine is this, you know, be careful of that. Yeah, I mean, that's happened for, for, for decades with, with mm. Germany, you know, people talk about Germans and they go, oh, Nazis, you know, they're not, that's not, that wasn't the case at all. The Nazis were a standaway thing from Germany, and they just captured the whole country. You know, it's just one of those things you can't group Nazis and Germany together because they were two different things. And the same with the Russian people. And you know, you, you're talking about um, sort of people taking action non-violently. We are seeing across the world a <laughs> cancel culture across the whole of Russia. Mm. They're seizing Russian businesses. Um, I've saw. Um, I think it's the butter market in Shrewsbury's now stopping selling Russian vodka. I saw that. I was like, was that, isn't that all vodka? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. th there are so many things happening. Russian businesses are losing out. Um, the the uh, was it? Um, Elon Musk's turned on Starlink over Ukraine, but that's it. Like, there's so many businesses now being affected, and yeah. you can't. I, I get it. I totally understand it, but you can't help but feel for some of the companies that aren't multi, multi, multi billionaires that are just starting up, and now they're being affected by the idiotic decisions that they're present. You got to feel for that, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I, I I agree with you. Like support in your own way, you're entitled to your opinion, but like the butter market, for example, not selling 
the vodka. By the way, I think it's a bottle market. I don't know if it is actually. No, 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 you are right. I saw I read it earlier. But Shropshire's higher. You know, they they've paid for that. They're losing money just because they don't want to sell this Russian vodka to not support Russia. Okay, you're entitled to that opinion. But that business in Russia could not have they might that their staff has probably got nothing to do with this. They that you know, they've probably just been hit by a pandemic. You know, mm. they're struggling. They're going to lose out in so many other businesses, and they they have no nothing to do with this war. They're just being, you know, said, "Here's a gun, go. You've got no option." Uh, well, the, it's, it's happened before with with um, America. They cut off uh, Japan's oil supply, and what happened? The Pearl Harbor, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. So, do you do you feel like this 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 global cancel culture on on Russia and these petty little things? I'm sorry, bottom market. I don't mean. I mean, this happened across the world, right? Uh, and like what Phil's saying, it's affecting business people that don't deserve that. Do you feel like this could cause an actually, actually, an escalation in what's going on? Is is that for me or for, for Doctor Phil? Doctor Phil, sorry. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I think it's yeah. It's, I don't see the the real kind of rationale in in that, you know. And of course, you've got Chelsea, right? You know, wanting to sell Abramovich uh, and things mm-hmm. like this. You know, it's gonna hit. It's gonna hit everyday civilians in Russia more than the the you know the billionaires, etc. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I probably need to give a lot more thought to it. But first reaction is that I don't really see it, you know, the the un, the rationale behind it all. Yeah, it's a difficult one. We can't make these decisions. But um, so, I want to talk. That, sorry, Al. It's, it's not just affecting Russia. A lot of these Ukrainians probably cross the border to go and work for these companies or they've got offices in Ukraine. So it's not just, you know, you're not just supporting Ukraine. You're probably affecting them massively. And like we were saying about the impact back here. I'm sure that they've got offices here. Some of these businesses that were stopping, like banks. Well, they do. A Shropshire Council has uh, got a, a, a contract with a Russian gas firm, and they're exactly. trying to kill their so contract. It's affecting people's livelihoods here. So it is like we were discussing earlier. Like it's the other side of the planet, nearly. It's not directly affecting us with the bombs over our head, but jobs and the economic effect is directly affecting all of us. So we've got to well, be aware yeah. of that. Fuel prices have already shot up, haven't they? Within a week exactly, of this yeah. happening, um, we are we okay to move move because there yeah, is absolutely. another aspect I want to I want to talk about, and that is community. Okay, uh, community and the people around us, because like you said, Phil, this is affecting us um, uh, indirectly, uh, and you know sometimes you can find it hard to know where to turn. Last night I did a radio show, and I I I, I, um, I put a segment together that was called the business of war and it's all about the kind of music um that comes from war um and, you know talking about rage against the machine and some 41 they did still waiting and um there are a few other songs out there 99 red balloons obviously a very famous song about mm-hmm. uh, nuclear holocaust um you know and i finished this show and i got really emotional i was thinking who can i talk to about this because you don't know who you're talking to, you could speak to someone. Uh, you can't. You can't throw a comment on like I don't know a story about the shop you start. Because then you get people going, "Oh yeah, non-violence. That's that. That's for that's the big girls' blouse and all this sort of stuff." And then you get people. You say the wrong thing, and you, you get called. You know, all kinds of. You don't know who to talk to about this. It causes anxiety. So how can we communicate with one another in a way that isn't going to make us feel bad? Who? How do we get this off our chest, Doctor Phil? I think that's great that you've been looking at that, you know, the business of war. And uh, here's one suggestion for you, Alex, that you might want to be interested in. And we've done it before with groups in the past is that w- before we start kind of workshops and trainings, we we uh, we we put together a peace playlist. And so, okay. for example, you can ask Phil, you know, if you think of a peace song, what would the song be? And you can ask me, et cetera. There's one idea. Um in terms of the bit about, you know, oh, it's nonviolence, you know, it's fluffy peace and things like this. Mm. People need to remember that it's it's uh, the action of nonviolence. It's the power of nonviolence. So it's physically doing something. So it takes courage to kind of do these things. Uh, I think another thing that makes me think about it, uh, you know, when I speak to people is always the question, well, what can I do? That's the question that always comes up, right? And of course, if if you just look at the work that we do, you know, on a global level, how do we go against the Pentagon or how do we address the war system? You know, it's like overwhelming, right? And burns people out. So our answer is always that peace work and nonviolence work and development work and environmental science work, et cetera, always has to be local. 
so you can make a difference at your local level. And these little little bits of difference that you're making at the local level build up. So if you if you're asking yourself, people listening to say, what can I do? Start local. If you look at Extinction Rebellion, for example, who I think are doing some great work, you know. They have Extinction Rebellion, also Street, Extinction Rebellion, yeah, Shrewsbury, yeah. that do things in their own kind of context, you know, to raise awareness in the actual community themselves, but with the idea of widening the sphere of influence. Yeah, and they, they, I mean, it's always really funny to see the, the, the comment section on something that Extinction Rebellion have always done because they'll all be like, oh, well, what? how did they get there then? Did they walk or did they drive in on a cat? You know? Yeah, they're missing the bigger picture they're missing the bigger picture like this isn't what they're going at you know it's that whole global um ecosystem they're trying to protect it doesn't matter if they've driven there they're trying to get them at if a, a, a tank of gas gets them to a, a position where they can now spread a message across the whole world surely that's worth it right um, but yeah extinction rebellion i did have them on the show a while ago um to talk about what they were doing and I think it's good to have these conversations, whether you agree with it or disagree with it. I did an interview with Carol Baskin, and that caused so many um, did you? arguments. <laughs> I did. Um, because wow. we we just found her website, and she was like, you can book a time. And my wife was like, I'm just going to book the time. I don't know what's going to happen. And she appeared. And me and Tom Bruno, who um, works with me at USOC, we, we made the choice not to mention Tiger King once but until the end. But we weren't going to wow. be like, ask the, the the questions everyone's dying to ask we talked about mm. conservation mm. and we, we talked we talked about how things are going for her but that caused so much de- like decisiveness in, in the people around me they're like why would you speak to her so why wouldn't you have that conversation with someone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whether you agree with it or not these are conversations that need to be had this is why we're here today we don't want to talk about war and the disgusting things that's going on but we have to i mean yeah, we have to do it in, a, in an environment around us that we know are safe and we can have like positive comments. There's no point in joining a conversation with lots of negative people going, oh, yeah, damn Russians or damn foreigners or they can't, asylum seekers, no way. You, you need to have healthy discussions about this because one thing might be right, one thing may be wrong, but we need to talk about it healthily. You know, mm-hmm. so that's why we're doing today. Um, how can we help though? When it comes to things, I know, Phil, you're talking about there's lots of, um, companies now made, sort of donating uh things to to the ukrainian troops or to the uh, refugees to poland and stuff how can we help individually dr phil it, but yes, okay yeah, how, what, what can we do what can we do to sort of help help um the the war effort or the the refugee effort that's coming in is it, well is it, a, a, a couple of things yeah, so a couple of things like 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 I spoke about, like you're doing now, you're providing a space to talk about the issues. Um, there's there's like two things, right? One is support, uh, you know, what's happening in Ukraine right now, and that could be you know donations, etc. That's kind of the immediacy, the crisis that needs to happen now. You know, address the needs. But I think there's a bigger opportunity to raise awareness, you know, to to facilitate these kind of spaces to have dialogue around you know, the tragedy of war and and where did the root causes of this come from and, and just to have discussions. I totally agree with you in kind of, you know, one of the biggest the biggest challenges that we have within World Beyond War is that, you know, try not always to sing to the choir, right? And try to have conversations with people that you don't agree with. So, and we've only managed to do it a couple of times at World Beyond War and actually one recently where our executive director went up against and had a debate with um, a professor at West Point in the US, which is well known for military and things like this. And it was framed as a debate. You know, is there ever such thing as a just war, for example, was a framing question. It's a great debate, you know, and it doesn't say yes or no. It's right. Let's hear from the professor at West Point, military background, etc., have his perspective. And then, you know, our perspective, where we just completely uh you blew him out the water you know but it's still an open kind of discussion you know and a debate so that that's a really interesting kind of you know um opportunity to kind of have these dialogue spaces you could do something in the square in shrewsbury you know you could speak to schools colleges to kind of facilitate these discussions with their students etc there's some there, ideas there's a, a vigil tomorrow obviously this is going after the, the fact but uh, there's a vigil going on in Town Square tomorrow at 2.30, I believe. I'm going to take a camera. 
Uh, Phil, if you want to come for a walk with me into town tomorrow, that might be quite fun. But just to to speak to some of the people and to to hear some stories, just mm. because I'm willing to, I really want. I like listening to these things because I think it's important. This is history, and we need to report this. Um, I did ha I did make a joke on on Facebook the other day about the BBC because they seem to be getting any, any Tom Dick and Harry has got any sort of link to Ukraine uh, on to talk about it, and I made a joke of. Um, Oh, is 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 Tom from Chester, and he's he's half Ukrainian on his mum's side. Let's talk about what what's the port peace talks going to. Be. But then they 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 spoke to a guy who's in Ukraine, refusing to leave. British guy with a Ukrainian wife, and he had actually really good insight as to what's going on. So I was kind of like, ah, oh, gotta eat my words a little bit now. Um, but yeah, um, it's uh, it's important to have these conversations. That's what I'm going to do on Saturday tomorrow. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's where do you know of any? Around Shropshire, I know you're in Bolivia right now, but around uh, Shropshire, that way you can have healthy discussions about this without without any fear of being lambasted or jumped on by certain factions. <laughs> no, no, and this might be something that you want to speak with. You know, some of the great people in Shropshire that are doing work on the ground. Amanda Jones, you know, might be yeah, some someone interested in kind of working with you. Alex and you feel about kind of facilitating something around this. I think there's a real opportunity and a real need to do this right now. Mm. Um, so, you know, hats off to you if you, if you pursue that. So Amanda Jones, and of course you've got, you know, other, you know, uh, youth work people, Shropshire Youth Association, Shropshire County Council, you might want to have a conversation with and say, look, there's a real opportunity, real need here. We know yeah. that people are interested, concerned about this. We could offer to facilitate a space. Can we work in collaboration? And just some thoughts, you know. But but actually, your question it, it, it kind of highlights that no, there isn't. There's a real gap. Yeah, and you know, if if you're if you if there's somebody watching this, I'm sure this this podcast might get quite a bit of attraction. But if you're watching this and you do have a service where people can come to you and speak to you please get in touch with us because I'd like to highlight what you're doing, uh, whether it's social media, whether it's meetup groups, if you're organizing some of the vigils, I know this is the second vigil that's been going on. Uh, so if you are organizing the vigils, I mean, I will speak to people tomorrow, but uh, please get in touch with us because I want to continue having these conversations. Um, one of the final things I want to talk about, and I'm sorry, sorry, uh, Phil, if you wanted to add in there, but we're running short on time is, is talking to the kids. Um, you work with children, uh, with schools and stuff. Uh, Dr. Phil, um, how do we talk to our children about what's going on? That's a brilliant question. And, and the, the first thing I would do is listen, is ask questions. You know, okay, this is going on right now. I'm wondering what you're thinking. I'm wondering what you're feeling. Of course, be aware that, you know, it could kind of trigger things, but spend a lot more time asking good questions and listening rather than kind of preaching you know uh, to them um for example i can tell you now that i don't know if people know but the quakers uh, do a lot of great work around peace and um they're put, they're bringing out something called a teach pack which is going to be for all schools across the uk and i've put together two lessons one on peace one on violence by the way um that'll be in schools and things like this but they literally just reached out to me like two days ago and said obviously ukraine's happening can you put something together and i said well I'm not an expert on Ukraine, but my, you know, board of directors has just spoke on democracy now. Let me reach out to them and see if we can put something together. But basically, the idea of this teach pack is to is to be a resource for schools, colleges, community centres to talk about issues broadly related to peace. So within there, there's things like, you know, what is peace? What is violence? What is nonviolence? Um, what is interfaith dialogue? What is civil resistance and things like this? to have conversations with young young people about this. But then there's also implications that teachers are not trained in this. So they need to be prepared, you know, to be good listeners, to be good facilitators, to not know all the answers. Because that's one of the things we always say, if you want to be a good peace educator, peace worker, like you're doing now, you're asking questions. You're not there as the universal truth. You're not there as the person that has all the answers. No one has all the answers. And we always need to re remain humble. And I always like this idea of kind of thinking of ourselves as beginners. Because when we think of ourselves as beginners, it leaves us open to learning from other people. And wherever I am in the world, I hopefully spend a lot of time listening to people because I want to learn, you know. So I, we can learn so much from young people. So it's not just about, you know, um, what we can do for young people. It's what young people can do for us as well, because they generally more creative, generally more responsive and adaptive to change. Um, look at right now. Uh, I know we spoke about it, the climate crisis. Uh, 
young people are really active with regards to that. Really, really, really active. And we can learn mm-hmm. so much from that. They're not as active young people in the peace building and anti-war movement as what they are in the climate change you know, movement. So I'm just curious why that is. I feel like I saw on Facebook and, and Phil, well, you'll probably agree. The first time I saw it, I was kind of like, what is going on with people? I saw the, the, the memes about, you know, the people making funny memes about what's going on in the world. And I was kind of like, this is ridiculous. The war's going on and these these kids, <laughs> they're making memes about that. I was kind of like, actually, you know, we need to do this. It's really important, actually, because what did they do during World War Two? They went in the church and they sang and they had they, they tried to have a good time and forget about it because uh, you need to be able to laugh in the face of danger, I believe. Yes, be understanding. Don't be too horrible with this sort of stuff, but you've you got to be able to try and get on with life. You can't keep being worried and scared about this, right? I want to pick up on that point. You're talking about the kids sending memes. I don't know if either of you saw Ukraine's official Twitter account prior to this war. Take it, they weren't taking it seriously. They were posting memes themselves, joking about Russia. And it sort of, you could say, invited this. They probably saw it. It's shared around the world, went viral. It hasn't helped the matters. But it's so easily done. It's just create a meme. They're so popular. But it is a dangerous, dangerous game that they... Twitter is is the root of all evil politically it's, at the moment. Yeah, look yeah. what happened with Trump. Look how much trouble... Donald Trump caused with yeah. Twitter. He got banned. He got banned from Twitter because he was so hateful. It's just a nuts, mm. isn't it? Um, so yeah, I mean, well, there, there's a good thing, and you might have a com- you know, another kind of um, discussion about that in the future about free speech. You know, uh, to what extent can we have that? Because if you just have, you know freedom for everybody then they can write whatever they want to on twitter mm, so i mean that's a really interesting kind of discussion maybe to have another one alex and phil you know another person discussing that absolutely but dr phil i love speaking to you anyway regardless of what's what what the uh the, what efforts we're, we're trying to make with these kind of things um what so how long are you in bolivia for are you there for the foreseeable or well, there's a few things that we don't know. Um, I know that I will be back in Europe for probably that I have to come back to Austria and Portugal for kind of the May, the, the end of May. Um, and depending, I'm applying for a few kind of projects here. I don't know whether I'll come straight back to Bolivia or come back to England. So I don't know as yet. Let's see. Well, if you're back in shops, you best let me know so we can meet up and go for a coffee or a chat, Yeah. But sure. you're doing amazing work. Peace building is just, it sounds like it's such an amazing thing to be going out there doing and spreading the good word of democracy and talking and, and, and being able to have these conversations that are difficult. So bravo to you and thank you for, for today. Uh, and uh, also, Mr. Morris, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Because uh, I know it's been really um, interesting to hear from your point of view, Phil, and uh, your perspective over there. Uh, Thank you to you too. And this hat goes off to both of you two also. Like we spoke about today, what can we do? We'll do things at the local level. You're doing things at the local level. I'm in Bolivia now, but I love Shropshire. I love in particular Australia. I love Shrewsbury (laughs) as well. So hats off to you guys for doing this, for having this Mm. space, for having these conversations. So keep up the good work, both of you too. Um, Dr. Phil, where can people keep an eye on what you're up to uh, over there and, and sort of follow anything you're attached to? Well, World Beyond War is the organization, you know, so if you put in Google World Beyond War, you can see everything that we're doing. I can send you, Alex, if you want to, the links for the Democracy Now!, um, you know, analysis, which is brilliant, by the way. If people are interested, you know, listen to that. It's 18 minutes worth of really great analysis. Um, And we've got loads of kind of upcoming things related to Ukraine and, you know, what's going on. So I can send you details if that's helpful as well. Uh, Fantastic. I gotta say as well, if you're listening to this and you and you are, you are worried and you, you do feel like you've got no one to speak to about this because I know there are genuinely people. It caused me playing that playlist last night on the radio. I was nearly in tears. I was kind of like, oh my god, I can't believe what's happening. You know, I think music definitely is a very powerful conduit for that sort of stuff. But if you feel like you can't speak to anybody, like you, you can, you can talk about these kind of things and. um I just, I, you need to be able to get these things off your chest, you know. Um, so try and find someone to be, if you need to speak, whether it's the Samaritans, whether, whether you need to see a counselor, whether you've got a friend that you can, can you know, sort of converse about this with, just don't, don't keep it in. That's what I'm trying to say is don't keep it in. Don't keep it in. Yeah. 
Does that make sense? As a counsellor, do you think I said the right thing, Dr. Phil? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, right. Okay. Phil, you got one more thing to add? Can we get out of here? Yeah. Can I just have a word with you, Dr. Phil, once we stop recording? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I just want to ask you a question. Yeah. Right, brilliant. Yeah. Well, what we'll do then is we'll get out of here because we, we've literally done an hour, which is fantastic. We're great timekeeping, Whiteley. Well done. Well done. Right, guys, if you want to get in touch with us, you can get in touch with us via the website, uh, which is the Shoes with Biscuit podcast.co.uk. Um, all of our content is available on there. You can go to the website, you can press play, and it will play all, all of our content. Um, and that's made for us by our good friends at Web Orchard. If you need a podcast for something, whether you're in Shrewsbury or Bolivia, uh, <laughs> they will make a perfect website just for you. Whether you've got an Etsy account, whether you've got a podcast or a band or an events page, whatever it is, a business, uh, Web Orchard will make the perfect website just for you. Um, Dr. Phil, you are fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. I'd, lo I'd love to speak to you again. Uh, I'm very jealous of the view that's outside of your window right now because it's beautiful. Uh, Phil Morris amazing guy you'll see a lot more of him he's coming with me i'm going to drag him along to some of the festivals and things uh, I, I might see him see if we can get him in a, some chain mail and some armor for the battle of shrewsbury that'd be quite fun i'm all up for it yeah as long as I <laughs> to stab someone we're all good <laughs> stabby stabby <laughs> mr stabby <laughs> <laughs> that's Violence not peace building that's yeah. not <laughs> we will talk it out on the battle we'll talk it's it not out, really yeah, a reenactment but you know it nothing but a flesh wound um <laughs> we'll catch you guys next time thank you for tuning in uh, dr phil stick around just for a couple more minutes and we'll have a chat after this but um peace out everybody have a great day thank you everybody.